Welcome to Money Conversations with KJ. KJ is a lifelong entrepreneur who's made a lot of money, lost a lot of money, and found his way back again. If you're looking for a sterile how-to, you're in the wrong place. KJ and his guests will walk you through real-life situations told by the people who live them, and they are as messy as they are inspiring. Each episode will offer lessons learned, advice on how to replicate successes and avoid pitfalls, and a new perspective to power your financial literacy. Far from a one-size-fits-all, this podcast can help you build a roadmap to your personal promised land. Milk and honey for some, whiskey and steak for others, and remind you that you're not alone on this journey. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Today, I'm super excited. I've got a lady here that I've known. Well, what do you think, Sherry Lynn? Maybe four or five years? Yeah. Yeah, roughly. Four or five years. Miss Sherry Lynn Burke, um, fantastic lady. I think you're all going to get a tremendous value. She's, I, I don't even, I know I don't know half your stories, but I know a lot of your stories and they're all amazing. We always have great conversations. So I know that you guys out there are, are going to get a lot of, of uh, good content from her and we're going to have some fun while we're at it. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Kevin. So Sherry Lane, you know, what we want to do today is give value in the area for the folks out there, some financial literacy things that um, you've done out there in your life, you know, from, and we're going to, we're going to start way back as, as far as we can take this thing. So as we go through here and I got some topics that I want to talk to you about that I wrote on the board over there and we'll kind of go through them and um, see what we can give back to the audience. So again, welcome to the podcast. So I want to talk to you about I try to get everybody to go back as far as they can. And I had one gentleman get all, all the way back to he was five years old. I can't go far, that far back, but um, take me as far back as you can remember when money started to really be a tool that you would use and use it responsibly. How old do you think you were? Responsibly, huh? Or understanding, you know, money. Well, I think probably maybe five or six. Okay. When I would have, I actually am, a, I'm a baby boomer, so I had lemonade stand for sure. Uh-huh. Uh, we even sold um, snowballs. Okay. So I, I think I was always a bit of an entrepreneur. And I wanted money because I wanted to, if I went into the store, maybe I wanted some gum or candy. Or go to the movies for five cents. So even at that young age, you had to earn your money for the things you wanted. Mom and dad were not ready to just give you, you know, in today's world, parents give their kids money until they're older, actually. So, I mean, you grew up in a different time like I did where, yes, if we wanted things, we had the lemonade stands, the paper routes and all these little things that we could do on the corner, which parents won't even allow their kids to barely do today. Right. right. Um, so how did that shape you when you were able to understand to trade some sort of value to somebody and get paid for it? How did that start to shape your mindset around money? Well, um, I was brought up that uh, it was good to have money. If you had money, then you could do whatever pretty much that you wanted. Um, So I wanted money. And um, if I wanted something, of course, I'd ask my parents. And I would say probably 50% of the time they would say yes, and 50% of the time they'd say no. 
And when they said no, then I'd have to figure out in my brain how I would be able to get whatever it was that I wanted. So I knew that money bought what you wanted. Okay. And you learned that at a, at a very young age. I think if you could probably agree in today's world, kids probably don't figure that out till they're heck as old as 18 to 20. Would you agree? Yes. Or older. Or older. Right. <laughs> uh-huh. and, and some never learn. Right. Um, when did you learn the value of saving? Like not just for us to go to the movies or, or this very small things, but when the value really of saving. Well, this might be a little embarrassing and shocking, but I actually learned the value of saving when I was 64. Okay. So just before re- average retirement at 65 is when I really learned about saving. <coughs> so I was not a saver. I've always been an entrepreneur, but I think I spent, uh, I was just a spender and I didn't have honestly, financial literacy at all until I was in my 60s. Excuse me. You know, that's interesting because I'm sure there's a lot of people that can probably wouldn't admit that. It's it's pretty awesome that you admit that, that it's not too late to learn financial literacy and understand that, like, you know what? I I have to save money for a purpose, obviously, um, to be able to achieve the financial goals that I want, because I know that you've already definitely achieved some good financial goals. Um, Great lesson for the people that are out there. One, don't think if you're in your 40s, 50s that it's too late for me. Never too late. It's never too late. And that you must learn how to save, but save with a purpose. And we'll talk about that a little more. Um, Because if people give up, then you're definitely going to work till you die. Would you agree? Yes, I will agree. And and you want to be able to work, not because you have to, but because you want to, right? I mean, I know you do what you do for a living because you absolutely love it. You just have a huge passion for it, which is helping people on a different level other than money, uh, because that's what you enjoy, right? So it's not even work. It's just, you know, you're giving good value out there and obviously getting compensated for it, um, which is great. But let's go back to then, if you were in your, you know, 64 years old, tell you decide, tell you kind of figured out, holy mackerel, I got to save money. What during all these other years? So I know that you got kids. So you became, you know, your 20s or whatever and had some kids. What were you thinking back then? What was your mindset with money? And then what was your mindset with money with your kids? Very, that's another good question, Kevin. So uh, I married very well. Oh, so I was one of those fortunate women that married someone who uh, had tremendous potential. So I lived a beautiful lifestyle for a lot of years and money was never a a question or it was never. It was always there. Um, As I said before, I was I'm just I'm an entrepreneur. And even though I married well, I felt this need that I needed to do something. So I always had a little something going on, whether it was clothing business, frozen yogurt, whatever. I always had a little something going on. Kind of a side hustle deal. Kind of a side hustle because, see, my husband gave me an allowance. And allowance just uh, started grading on me that I had to literally ask. He would give me, of course, every week money, but... If I needed more, I had to ask, and that's when I decided that I needed to have my own money. 
And that's really started my venture into the business world. Not that I knew anything except for, uh, you know, if I'm going to sell something, it has to be something that I would buy. Right. So you just developed an entrepreneurial spirit, right? And I think a lot of people have the entrepreneurial spirit. But now that you've been an entrepreneur for a lot of years and you probably understand one of the things I I talk about with some folks who say, hey, I want to start this business. You know, what do you think? You know, what's it like being a business owner? Because I've been a business owner for most of my life, my early 20s. And I just give one piece of advice and only one, because I don't care if you want to open up a pizza parlor or any brick and mortar, whatever type of business. I, I just tell people, listen, until you're ready to eat, sleep, think 24, seven, three, six, five about this business that you think you want to get into. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's not a job. It's definitely a 24, seven, three, six, five deal. Right. Would you agree? I would agree. And, and how long, I mean, so people who are who have that entrepreneur spirit and you did, how long did it take you to figure that out? You mean that I was buying jobs <laughs> when I would buy a business? <laughs> exactly. Um, it took me about five, six years uh, because I did have two frozen yogurt stores. Okay. And uh, when when I walked away from that, I said, never again would I have a retail, a brick and mortar, that there has to be a better way. So, um yeah, because it was what taking just monopolizing your time. I'm sure. Well, that and you have employees, mm-hmm. and you never know if someone's going to come in or not come in. Now it's it, you. I literally bought myself a job. Right, right. And again, I don't want to discourage people out there from wanting to follow whatever dreams they have about opening whatever business. I just want you to understand that, like you know, Sherry Lynn is describing, don't buy a job. Have yourself be educated enough in business to put, as we know now, processes and systems together that you can outsource and unplug yourself. Because if you had two stores and there's plenty of people, again, we know lots of different franchise chains where are run smoothly because of systems. Right. Um, And then that's that's different. That's not being a true business owner. That's really being a true entrepreneur. Right. Correct. So so you went down that route, right? You got married. You and again, when you explain how you were, had a husband that you know gave you money, I think I'm a man. I'm like guys, just don't get that opportunity, right? I mean, there are probably a couple of guys out there, right? But it's it's got to be far few between where where a, a man can marry a woman and that you know that that role is reversed kind of thing. So um, listen, you ladies, if you're out there and you maybe are luck, fortunate enough, right, to have a husband do that and you want to start a business because you want to make your side hustle. You're like, hey, my husband gives me dollar X a week, but I need slash want more. And you t- talk to your husband. Hey, I want to start this little business. Let's just understand. You, yeah, you're you're getting ready to put yourself in um, buying a job. Yes. So be careful what you wish for. But if that's your passion and you're going to jump in with two feet. And like I said, unless you can really make the commitment of knowing you're going to be 24, seven, three, six, five, at least the first two to three years till you build a reputation. Yeah. Um, I don't suggest doing it. Um, let's talk about. So you went a ways before you figured out the savings. So during those years that you were trying all these different businesses, where did you park money or you just raised your lifestyle? I would say I just raised my lifestyle. I never parked 
any money. I was married. I was married for 22 years. It really wasn't until I was divorced and then on my own that I realized that there was some, I needed to do something. And that's when I proceeded to get a job, which I found out very shortly that I was psychologically unemployable <laughs> <laughs> and working for someone else was um, very difficult for me. So, uh, but I did because I had to. And then I've just honestly led a very blessed life. I, I uh, make friends with individuals that share information with me that guide me into a, a better places. So for many years, I didn't really have to worry about money, even though I didn't really have any. It really wasn't until I stepped out into the abyss and went from my little nest of Ojai, California, down to Orange County and got a real live job that I actually started making money and my my education on financial literacy began. And it began with my son. So I didn't teach him because all they can remember is their dad and I arguing about money. Right. They taught me. So as I, as you're telling me this story, I'm thinking your mindset with money is a journey in itself. You know, as parents, we want to, you know, teach our kids all, everything in life. And it all starts with the right mindset. But your mindset has really been a journey of its own because at that young age of the lemonade stand, knowing that you had to give value to get money so you could go have the, you know, little enjoyments of life at, you know, five to seven years old. But then you had, you know, the, the uh, opportunity where you had a husband that was giving you the money. So your mindset then was totally different. It was like, well, I just get money. I don't have to. But then it shifted again later in life. And I think the good point to this would be this for the people out there that I think mindset, your money mindset is a journey and will change over time, right? As we learn the things that we should learn, right? And and be open to having an, um, um, instead of a fixed mindset, an open mindset, right? Um, you're, there's a lot of people out there that will struggle with a fixed mindset because of your belief systems that no, this is what I was taught. This is the way I have to do things where if you're not open to hearing the other side of the story and understanding, it's just a time I need to make a mindset shift, which you learn basically out of necessity, because you had to go get, you know, a regular job and start and figure out your own, you know, thinking, thinking about money and whatnot. And then as you got older, it really started to kick in like, man, I've got to put money to work because money, money grows because of time. Right. And we have to the older we get, the less time we have for money to grow. And then we then we have to. And you already know this lesson. We have to learn how to make money, make money on a higher level and start to get that those double digit interest returns on multiple levels. Right. Not just one. So let, let's fast forward then as you went through the different mindset shifts through your life, doing what you did. Um, you're a very passionate woman. And when you when you really fall in love with what you believe, you're all in, right? You, you don't dip your toes. No. No. No toe dipping. No toe dipping. Because you and I both know there's a lot of toe dippers out there. You know, make a commitment 
to whatever it is you're going to do, whatever you think you're passionate about. And passions can change, right? Your passions have changed over the years. Oh, yes. You know, and it's okay to change passions. And again, there's no right or wrong, I don't think. I think that um, follow your passions as far as you can, but we're all in this journey of life and it's going to have its turns all the time. So as I think with the mindset with you, with the folks that are out there, um, don't beat yourself up if it's been a few years and you didn't get it right because it's not too late to adjust your mindset to do the right things with money. Would you agree? I would agree. I would most definitely agree. And I, I have gone through two bankruptcies, one while I was married and it didn't affect me. And then I actually myself went through a bankruptcy. So I know what it's like to have to, to have it all go away. But I also know what it's like to have the drive to bring it back. So I think it really set it does start with mindset. But the my big push was personal growth. So when I moved from Ojai to Orange County, is when I really dove deep into personal growth. And I think that is life changing when you start believing in yourself. Right. Huge, huge. It triggers me to think that, um, you know, bankruptcy has a huge negative mindset about people like, oh, some people judge people for, for bankruptcy. But, you know, there's a lot of different reasons why people need to, you know, file BK and reset, restart. Mm -hmm. And it's OK that you do that. You're not a bad person if you file BK. And some people would, you know, tend to like to look down on people. Oh, you filed BK. You must be a terrible person. But you and I both know that's not true. It's just circumstances of life that hopefully, um, like any failures we all have in life, we learn from them, right? So once you learn from that and come back and maybe even share those learnings, you know, what you learned from that, friends, family, whoever you can, and try to not, because it does affect you. Um, not, it doesn't seem as it affects people as bad in today's world. And let's say people who BK'd in the 70s and 80s, that was a solid seven to 10 year. You are on hold. You are a cash person. Today, with technology and our world has moved so much faster than it did back then, you can really recover from BK in less than two years. Yes, you right? can. And I want people to understand that, right? Because I know plenty of people have gone through it. I've worked with them as far as build, rebuilding credit and that and whatnot. You can literally rebuild credit within 12 months of a BK, right? And the, whole perp and the whole thing with BK that people are so scared of is like, Man, I'll never get to like buy another car again. It's going to take forever because nobody will loan me any money. Well, you just as soon as you know you're going to do that and it's a reset, you have to reset correctly, meaning we got to start paying bills. We got to start paying bills on time. We don't need to overextend ourselves, live within our means, all these types of things. Would you agree? I would agree. Yeah. So let's that's a good learning lesson out there, you know, that you shared because um, a lot of people won't share that. They'll hold that tight to their sleeve thinking like, mm, it's none of your business, I feel shamed or whatever. And, and I don't think you should. Life, just those circumstances, circumstances to people and, put, and, and those things happen. Let's go forward now. You're in your 60s. You start figuring out money. Your son taught you money. I know your son, fantastic individual, very intelligent. Um, I'm actually going to get him on this podcast, hopefully. Um, 
teaching you, hey, mom, you got to put you've been making money because you're making good money. And he says, mom, you got to put that money to work so you don't have to work. What was one of your first places that that you were taught or you decided where to go park money at the age of the early 60s? I was taught to get myself a 401k, a self-directed 401k. Okay. And that was the beginning of my um, snowball effect of to financial, actually to financial freedom now at the ripe old age of 73. Right. So, yeah, that the 401k, and it might sound a little silly because 401k, what the heck, I wasn't investing it. I was saving it. It became my savings account. Right. And uh, was tax-free, of course. Yep. Uh, that money has worked for me over and over. So you know, yes, Kevin, I, know. I, I actually just purchased a home with that money, and it was a loan. So I learned so much what you can do with your own money, with other people's money. Um, it was uh, it was quite an awakening. I I I got woke. You got woke, <laughs> got and it's woke. and it's interesting because even though you got woke at sixty four, it's not too late. Compound interest works daily, right? True. Um, and you learned uh, what most people don't know, right? Being able as an entrepreneur to open up your self directed four hundred one k. There's a lot of vehicles that we can all park money in. Uh, the point is is to don't park it in the bank. Because the bank's not giving you anything out right. there. And even right now, you see a lot of they're pushing the online banks because the online online banks give you more than your brick and mortar banks. But it's still if you truly understand the rule of 72 compound interest, you know, online banks are going to give you about three quarters of a percent, maybe one percent. Some of them uh, versus the brick and mortars that are going to give you a point one five point two five, you know, percent return, which is absolutely nothing um, in in. I'll, I'll teach you guys the rule of 72 on a different uh, episode, but the rule of 72 understanding, man, you better go learn out there, learn how to start getting returns, minimum 8%, double digit, 10, 12, 15, even 20 or more, which can be done, right? And this is how you can fast track saving your money, putting your money to work, right? Because I know that you also have become a, uh, a private lender. I Right. You put that money to work. And the beauty about becoming a private lender, guys, once you know how to do it correctly, it's not letting people borrow money, write a check. Here you go, Bob, pay it back. You know, and you owe me X interest. You got to set it up correctly. And but that's how you I like to call you can turbocharge your returns because private money is higher, higher risk. But I know a lot of private people out there lending money at 18, 20, 25 percent. And the thing is, the people that are borrowing that money, if that money's going to make them other larger money, it's just the cost of doing business. That's all it is. So you get to reap the rewards on those earnings versus, you know, letting a mutual fund do it or, you know, even your 401k isn't going to make double digit returns. So that's how you were able to fast track you know, your dollars growing, which is, which is amazing back to, it's never too late. It's just learning how to play the game, right? Right. Learn how to play the game. Like any game, if we don't know the rules, we can't win. Um, so what, what would be the best advice that you could give maybe a single mom in her early twenties or thirties or whatever on, on money and how to start growing it? Where should that person start? 
Well, there's so much education. Um, I mean, it's beautiful that you are actually uh, entering into this. Find yourself a good coach that can teach you. Because believe me, I didn't know. I had no idea. I mean, all I remember is watching my mother um, do her bank account every month and make sure that everything came out even. I never did that once. So yes, you do see what your parents do, but it's your decision whether you're going to do it or not. So I never did that. Find yourself a good coach. She wasn't a good coach for me, obviously. But find yourself someone who, first of all, first and foremost, find someone successful. Find someone that knows what they're doing, that's been there, done that, and is doing that, and can teach you. Right. Uh, You know, always start looking up. Don't don't ask advice from friends that have no money. Right. Right. Well, you brought up a good point where we need to learn. It could be a mentor. It could be a family member. It could be a friend always wanting to learn from the right people, obviously, that have already walked that path before you and have educated themselves and have their own successes. Right. I 100 percent agree to that. Um, There's a lot of ways that we can all win the game, so Mm -hmm. to speak. And Mm -hmm. the the thing about the game, the money game is the finish line is different for everybody. You know, when I teach about trying to be financially independent, which means having enough the money, having enough money where your money makes enough interest to pay your lifestyle, whatever your lifestyle is. But you and I both know we've sat with some people that lifestyles could be 2000 or 3000 a month, which is a low lifestyle. There's people out there that want a twenty or $30,000 a month lifestyle. So no right or wrong answer. It's whatever is good for you out there that you believe. You know, it doesn't take a lot of money to get an ang- uh, a monthly return of $3,000, right? It's not a ton of money working for you. Uh, the guy who wants to get twenty or 30000 a month, he's got to have, you know, multiple seven figures working to get that return. Um, so just getting out there and learning it. But what would you say would be your best lesson today? Because here you are, you know, in your early 70s, you're doing, you know, well, where a lot of people would have gave up at 60 and said, oh, that's it. I'm going to go live with my kids. They're going to feed me. I'm going to sit in my chair and just watch the sun go up and down. Right. What would be what do you think is your best learning advice for someone um, late in life thinking it's too late? Well, that's mindset. So uh, personal growth is, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people that uh, one can listen to, hook into, connect to, that can bring, at least bring their mindset up. It's never too late. If, if someone is in that situation, it's very hard to talk them out of it. You have to, you have, to have a desire yourself. And, and I've always had a desire. I've never had a desire to have nothing or to have my children take care of me. And they will take care of me if it came to that, for sure. But no parent wants that. Uh, better that we take care of them. We always have. I, I would say that my best lesson would be just continue. I mean, every morning I wake up grateful to have what I have. doesn't matter what you have. What I guess really matters is what you want. Exactly. 
I think what we want and what we need are two different things. I teach that lesson to my kids, the difference between wants and needs at an early age, because I think a lot of people are in positions of uh, not being financially where they want to be is because they're not really distinguishing wants and needs. Right. Uh, obviously, we need to eat. We need food, shelter, clothing. Right. Um, and when you're out there and you're, you know, 20 years old, starting to make some money. And let's say for a girl, oh, I got to go buy this handbag. It's five hundred dollars. Like, what are you doing buying a five hundred dollar handbag at 20 years old? You should be learning about I need to start putting money away. Right. Because if these young ones like I thought mine, I'm not going to have any worries about my daughter. She's. 21 years old and on year three of getting ready to have a fully funded, you know, Roth IRA and just on our way of having great saving habits. But um, we both know there's just whether it's the girl buying the $500 purse or the guy wants to go out there and buy a $500, you know, suit instead of a, you know, $150 suit to go to work kind of thing that uh, put that money to work. Right. And then that, again, that all comes back to mindset, but there's nobody teaching them these things between wants and needs. You know, so um, what do you want now? Me? Yeah. Like, honestly, I would like to have a relationship. I'd like to have a partner in life. Okay. So that would be, and I don't even want to say it's a missing, but as long as we're podcasting it, I let the universe know that I'm open and ready. Open and ready. To share what I got. If you think you want to come meet Sherry Lynn, you contact me. I'll, I'll put you together for sure. So so you're pretty content financially where you're at. I know, you know, because my wife and I are agents and we found you a house. I don't know. It's been six or eight months. Uh, beautiful home. And you've got that thing all dialed in the way that you want it. And you're living comfortable over there. Um what kinds of things are you doing or do you want to aspire to do now with money? Well, I, I'm, I, I like giving money and, and being involved in projects that have to do, especially with children. Um, I'm big on that. Mm. Um, I, you know, I really, that's a good question, Kevin. That will be something now that I'm going to really look at what is it that I want now? Honestly, I don't know if this podcast is dated, but honestly, what's going on in the world right now, when that's all over, maybe I'll have a clear vision. I know what I want to happen. So, uh, and once that does, because I get everything that I want. You bring up a good point, you know, because we're recording this right now. It's mid-October. We're The pandemic, we're still fully there. We're just... I don't know, two weeks out from the election and we'll see what happens after that. But I think a lot of people out there are having this mindset of the unknown, right? Because, man, this pandemic could be another year. It could be two years wearing these masks and all this stuff. Uh, we don't know. It's definitely changing the world around us. Um, but one thing's for sure, as far as finances, the money's the game is not stopping. The game is not pausing. It will move forward. The stock market does what it does every day, which means money's exchanging hands on a daily basis. So get in the game, play the game, know it's long term. You know, if we need to shift the lifestyles that we have because whatever this government decides to do and, you know, the whole planet, actually. So because we're all so interconnected, listen, just make your shifts. Right. But keep the my belief, keep the mindset with your money, the forward path. Don't try to time the market for sure. That's a losing proposition. And, and 
anybody who's in the market will tell you that just, you know, if your money's in the market with all or most of our money's in the market at some level, right? If you're, if you've got your, you know, your, your self-directed 401k or you guys are out there and you work 401ks or your Roths. Or if you buy, if you own a house. If you own a house. I mean, everything is still going to move forward. So I wouldn't panic and not make any good decisions because the unknown of this pandemic is going on because this thing could be around for a while. Well, I did make a decision not to have a larger office space during this pandemic. And now I'm back looking for a larger office space. Um, and it's, and, and of course in their election, but I don't even mean about money. I just mean what energy is in the air right now has a lot of us confused. It's kind of like a smog. It's brain smog a little bit. So, uh, give me a couple of weeks (laughs) and then, but no, I'm not, I'm not slowing down at all. And nothing has slowed down really for me, even in my business. As a matter of fact, one of my businesses, of course, you know, network marketing, mm-hmm. and that never sleeps. It doesn't matter what's going on. That just continues to grow. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So I know you have some grown grown children that had children, right? What are the, the thing I find that people are out there afraid to talk about money, right? Like it's taboo. Don't you can't talk about my money. I find it sometimes a parallel sex. People don't want to talk about sex either. And we're not going to go down the road of sex people, but I'm just saying that don't be afraid to talk about money. When you were growing up, did you find that the conversations of money, meaning your personal money was kind of a taboo conversation? No, I don't remember that at all. No, no. And I didn't grow up with money for sure. We probably were a little lower middle-class family. So, no, I, I never have felt about money. Well, maybe you don't tell people what you have. Right. Right. You know, you don't flaunt money. Okay. Okay. I can appreciate that because, yeah, there's people out there that want to keep that. I think people with money, but we can always assume people who have money by the cars they drive, the clothes they wear, and the watches and this and that. And I think people try to hide that because they just believe people are going to come around. Can I borrow some money? Right. Um, which in a minute ago, we talked about giving back. Right. And I love to give back. Right. I think giving back is, is um, something we all should do at whatever level, because giving back doesn't mean money always either. Correct. Right. I mean, I give my time. time. Mm-hmm. I, I get my time and, and I'd prefer to give instead of actual cash money to people. Um, I'm really along the lines of Tony Robbins. He likes he's fed millions of people in his career. And so I even at the smallest level, when I um, I'm sitting again, you know, in a decent position, a better position, uh, I did it about three weeks ago. I just woke up one day feeling my gratitudes in the morning, as I always do. And I said, I want to feed three people today. And I put it out in the universe. Um, who can I help today go buy hundred bucks worth of groceries? Because there's a lot of people hurting that can't even get food right now. And so that's a good way of giving. Um, as small as it may be to some, it um, the people that receive on the receiving end was huge. So um, for you guys out there, give whatever you can. It doesn't have to be money. It could be your time. It could be whatever you can, um, because I know you believe this. When you give, the universe is going to, you know, really repay you back tenfold. You know, you're well, going to just st- how you feel. 
when you give. Yeah. That you is just, tenfold. That is tenfold right there. So, yeah, I agree a lot with that. So I'm looking at my board here. We went through tradition, which basically for you, not a lot of tradition with money. You pretty much had to figure it out from a very young age. I did. And you really didn't figure it out till you were 64, uh, which we said it's okay, right? And then we went down the journey of mindset, understanding like it is a journey. You will, as you should, have a different mindset shift throughout your life as you are learning different things. Um, and we talked about investing and you're an entrepreneur, so you don't invest the traditional way through a job, but you invest. Um, I know your son's taught you a lot about investing and you're kind of uh, following his guidance, which is great because uh, he's doing phenomenal. Um, any advice with some of the single moms out there in the investing world that you would give to them? Well, gold and silver is always a wonderful investment. And then you have it. And if you if, and if you ever need it, you have it. But if you don't need it, it's your kids will have it, and it'll never lose value. Um, I my, I always have a big suggestion too is to get yourself a good network marketing business. And the reason, and it doesn't matter what it is, but make it something that you would purchase yourself. Always great if it's something you can consume. Because that can be a plan B. You never know. And it's residual. For me, the best advice I ever got was residual. Residual income, whether it be rentals from homes that you own or a business, whatever it is, residual. So I I get a residual check, several of them actually, because I have several residual businesses every week. Right. Every week. So uh, honestly, the business, my actual brick and mortar is just all of my businesses really are just wonderful. I love them all. I love what I do. But my brick and mortar is really my passion more than anything else. It's my and I do very well financially, but it's not it's not about that at all. I, I think what I'm hearing here is which is a great lesson is I think into this is 2020 in today's world, we all need to have multiple streams of income, multiple, <laughs> right? We cannot depend on one source of income, right? A job. No. Um, so even for you guys that are out there that have jobs and you're just kind of start, we, we need to have a, you know, some will call it a side hustle. You would call it whatever you want to call it, but a multiple streams of income. So you've acquired yourself multiple streams of income, which puts you in a safe place financially that when you lay your head down at night, you're not freaking out about paying whatever bill, right? The power bill, the phone bill, the mortgage, whatever, because you have multiple streams of residual income coming in. That one's huge. That's a big lesson for you guys out there. Um, and for some of you out there that think, I don't have time for a residual to, for another stream of income. I'm too busy. I, my job's, you know, 50 hours a week. I got two kids at home. I've got kids. I got that. There's time. Always. There's time. You have to make the time, even if you just put two extra hours per week. Per week. Into whatever this little side hustle to make a few extra bucks, it will add up. It will add up quickly, and you just stick to it. It will grow. It will compound. You will have a second. You'll have a third source. And then multiple streams of income is what ultimately is what's going to get you to your financial independence. Let your money make money to support your lifestyle. Correct. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, that was really enlightening. I didn't 
I, I hope a lot of you, the big takeaway here with Sherry Lynn is that she had an amazing life in almost two lives because when you restarted at that 64 and you got there really quickly, you're not even a whole 10 years and you put yourself in a great place that it's never too late. Keep going at it. Follow your passions, invest your money, get a mentor and just keep learning. Awesome. Sherry Lynn, thanks for coming out. I appreciate sharing. I know a lot of people out there are, are really doing some serious thinking right now. A little mindset shifting. So thanks for coming out. And I, you know what? I want to do it again. What about you? Oh, I, I'd love to. Okay. All right, guys. You guys have a good week out there. Don't forget, subscribe to my channel. And um, we got a lot more stories coming today. All right, guys. Take care. Hey, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, really enjoyed making all these episodes for you. Remember, we're just having uh, conversations with people's journey with money and the things they did right with it, the things they did wrong with it, and uh, how, how did they really come about getting their mindset with money. So uh, every episode is different. We all have a good takeaway from them. So do me a favor, hit the like button, smash the like button, and subscribe to my channel because every episode that I do is going to be different as all our journeys are different. So you guys take care, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.